What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John, and with me as always is Daniel Terry. We're recording this on a day that is not normal for us, so this is exciting. Yeah. It, it feels new. It's almost like being with a new partner. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much exactly like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't think of uh, really any other way to describe it. Uh, no, I mean, we're, we're doing the thing that we normally do. We're just doing it incredibly late at night. And, uh, you know, that, that has its perks, I guess. Uh, very deep conversations. We just had an amazing conversation about Fleetwood Mac and the future of rock and, you know, all that stuff that you guys do not get to hear. <laughs> so. <laughs> no. Um, this episode's guest is, we're returning, Spencer from Periphery. Uh, to talk about his quote-unquote solo project, uh, King Mothership, with his bandmate Ty Wright, uh, who plays bass. Uh, Maybe you remember him from his time in Slaves. We kind of hit at that a little bit in the beginning of the chat. This was kind of fun. Dan, more so me, uh, I was pretty drunk (laughs) when we did this. I mean, I was getting there, that's for sure. But yeah, this was a a conversation that we had, uh, for sure. <laughs> I'm not even being va- I'm not even being vague. It's just we were John and I were uh, very on brand uh, dur- during this one. Yeah, this was right before my wife, my one of our good friends, uh, and another friend of I went to Atlanta. Um, so we were just kind of in pre-celebration mode. Um, I cut it out of the conversation of what was recording, but basically Dan saw me get shots fed to me. Uh, which kind of uh, is a great representation of why at times I'm trying to force jokes in this. Yeah. Um, I edited this to be a little bit more uh, concise and to the point. I left a couple of my bad joke ideas in just because it led to some funny tangents and so forth. But uh, this is a lot of fun. Um, This is, I think this is one of those quintessential, like, when you think of kind of what we are, what we like to do, this is it. Like, this is... Us talking with a a narrative in mind, which is about the new King Mothership record, which at the time hadn't been out. Uh, People hadn't heard it. And we were one of the few press outlets that had kind of gotten to hear it. And we got to talk to Ty and Spencer and just had a fucking good time talking to them. And I I really enjoyed this. And I also really enjoyed the fact that Dan was kind of drinking, like Ty and Spencer were drinking. So like, you know, it was a late night conversation. Just uh, like the four of us having a good fucking time. And... I like these. I like these when we all kind of when it's more loose because nothing it nothing is more lame kind of than when you do some of these and it's a little bit pretentious. Like here's the record, here's what we're talking about. Yeah, here's the things we did and all that kind of shit. And it's kind of loose. Like you know, we're getting ready to uh, drop an episode with uh, Michael from Dark Tranquility. Oh yeah. And be- and because of the time difference, like literally, I'm on my lunch break, and he's like, "Well, I have a beer. Cheers!" And I'm like, "Fuck! I wish I could have a beer with you <laughs> and do this." And he's like, "Well, one day when you grow up, you'll become Michael from Dark Tranquility, and you can have a beer anytime you want." Absolutely. But this was one of those where Dan, myself, Spencer, Ty, we all had some beers, and we just chatted about the new King Mothership record, which, uh, like I said, is out now, and uh, if you haven't heard it, I strongly recommend you go check it out. It is a very adventurous solo record. Um, even though talking to Ty and Spencer, you don't get the vibe that it is a solo record, you get the vibe that it is a collaborative record uh, amongst a bunch of musicians, which I think is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, some great poop talk on there, too. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it was, it was 
a very interesting record. I remember I remember you kind of being like, hey, before the chat tonight, maybe you should maybe listen to this a couple times. And I was like, all right. And I really went into it not knowing what to expect at all. And um, actually kind of ended up enjoying myself uh, more than I more than I thought that I would. Uh, because, you know, I kind of expected it to be kind of more like periphery. <laughs> and uh, it could not have been it could not have been more different. So uh, that's that's how you scratch those creative itches whenever they don't fit into like your main your main gig. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those where, you know, sometimes we talk to some band people and this is the quote unquote side project or a solo project or, or whatever. It's basically not the main entity that they're known for. And when you listen to it, you're kind of like, you know, maybe you want a little too, you know way out and it were too adventurous for what we were expecting sometimes you come into the thing where it's like i don't hear a lot of difference between this and the main thing you're known for and i i'm, I'm very happy to say that this doesn't sound like anything that you hear in periphery and i really don't think it sounds like a whole lot in nick mystery either which is spencer's other band and i i think that's kind of very commendable in this day and age where like you see so many people trying to do so many things that are not their main thing and then you just go yeah but this isn't good either so like i don't know why you put this out or there's nothing interesting about this and if i can't speak for dan but i feel like when you listen to this record a it's a concept record so like that's kind of keeping your interest and kind of keeping you focused on a lot of what are you hearing what are the lyrics what are the 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 audio visual ideas that they're kind of throwing at you that make you think of things visually but it's it's just really adventurous and it's uh it's a breath of fresh air like i said like you know and we talk about this on in the chat too but it's like this would have been so easy for spencer to just put out some kind of progressive rock thing like a progressive rock opera and basically been like yeah this is gonna be for the fans of periphery it's not too far out of the wheelhouse of what we do and we're catering to those fans but i think the fact that it doesn't sound like anything like that i think is is really good and it's it's really adventurous because i can can see some periphery fans going like it's not technical enough i don't like it yeah even though it kind of is in its own way it's a different kind of technical but I, yeah i think you, it's really something you can't go into with any preconceived notions it's not safe at all uh for them you know to to put out to put out a record like this um and you know as the kind of metalhead person that is usually like uh yeah you guys really took a real big left turn here they definitely, they definitely took a, a big left turn, but it wasn't into a bad part of town. No, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see where this goes. Uh, if there will be more King Mothership, especially now that there is not saying there wasn't a solidified band throughout the whole process, but with the fact that this basically started with music that sat on Spencer's old laptop and then became what you hear. I am interested to hear what would happen if there's more of a collaborative effort as a full band now of what King Mothership is. And that's kind of the interesting thing about this grand too, is it's Spencer's solo record, but it also has band member, you know, Matt on drums, Ty on, on bass and, and all that kind of stuff. And it just makes me wonder like, what will we get from the next record? Will we see an even more adventurous record? Because everyone kind of knows what this band is and what it's supposed to be. And, and that's always interesting. It almost to me, and I know like this is definitely low hanging fruit as far as a comparison, but this almost feels like 
Mr. Bungle to me. Like, this feels yeah. like it could be a Mr. Bungle tiny band where it's like, it is what it is, but what it is can be absolutely anything that they want it to be. And that's pretty fucking exciting to me, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you take a project and you just make it into your own personal sandbox, uh, you know what I mean? That's, that's pretty much... That's pretty much what, what, what they've done here, unless the next record sounds just like this one. In which case, then then it's like, okay, now we have rules established. I think I think if if a second record does sound the same, though, I think it kind of would be more of a detriment in the sense of like, you know, we did this to get away from rules, so we probably don't want to establish like rules and create expectations. Um, you know, because a second record is not going to sound as good as the first if it's in the same. Kind of, kind of in the same vein. It's something I've come to find from doing my other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the interesting thing about comparing him to Mr. Bungle is like you look at the first Mr. Bungle record, which I, I'm blanking on the name of that record, but I know California sounded nothing like that first record. It, it sounded completely unto its own, and it remains to be seen how the next Mr. Bungle project will be now that it is made up of completely different people. But I, I think that's one of the fun comparisons I can relate it to. And obviously with the Mike Patton thing and, and Spencer being like, you know, Mike Patton was kind of a big inspiration vocally for me. Um, Mr. Bumble is one of the bigger inspirations I can think of for, for what, you know, King Mothership can be is, and maybe will be in the future is just very unprecedented as far as what it'll be. And as a music fan of all kinds of things, that has me pretty excited personally. Yeah, I think it'll be cool. I'll keep my eyes. I'll keep my eyes open. But yeah, uh, but this is a fun chat too. It, it, I feel like we answered a lot of questions, or we had a lot of questions. Did we ask any questions? During- yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking. I'm blanking a little bit on it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that I think this is gonna be. I think this is gonna be cool. It'll be interesting to see kind of how it's received. I could probably just like Google right now, like how people are receiving it. Um, but but I don't. I don't want to spoil the surprise for anybody. So. So yeah, getting let's let's get into this thing. Absolutely. We'll talk to you on the other side of this. What's going on, man? How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, just chugging down a uh, chugging down a shitty tasting protein shake right now. Well, I nice. I guess I, I don't even want to tell you what I have in front of me that I'll be chugging down. <laughs> yeah, we were we were gonna run to the store to grab some beers before this, but uh, we just didn't have time. I just did the same. I grabbed uh, some beef jerky. I mean, this is from my fridge, but I have a, a nice uh, blueberry pancake stout, Ooh, milkshake stout. A, uh, I have, a, in this guy, my Ecto Slimer Green guy, I have a 12-year uh, Johnny Walker and some Coke. Nice. And then my wife, because we're going to Atlanta in like two days, so we're pre-celebrating for our uh, a trip. We have a like Johnny Vegas type shot in this thing. Atlanta's tight. I'm I'm still looking forward to it, and I'm really looking forward to chatting with you guys. Uh, Spencer, if you remember, uh, you guys, we did a chat in Detroit on that Periphery uh, Dance Gavin Dance Tour, and you left me on your bus so you guys could go do a uh, Pokemon run, and I was like... You remember that I cut it, because there was a legendary down the street, and my whole band was going to get it. I was like, ah, oh, dude, I gotta go. 
felt bad, but it was worth it. <laughs> but so what's funny is like I like I have so many friends who tour and like I was texting like some of my friends and I'm like, isn't there like a generic code on this bus so I could just like get off the bus and lock it for them? And they're like, no one got back to me. And then as soon as I was done, you guys came back and locked the bus or whatever. They're like, yeah, if you're ever on this bus or you're ever on a bus like this, this is the generic code. It locks the bus behind you. And I was like, good to know, because I felt so fucking awkward being on your bus where I was like, there's literally nobody. There's a dollar bill crumpled in like the seat where Mark was sitting. And like, I almost just want to like put it on a table so like he doesn't lose it. But like, I feel like that's awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. Remember, dude, it's been so long since I've been on a bus already since, you know, nobody's touring this year. I can't remember what that code is. It was so funny. Like, ever, like so many of my touring friends were like, I would never let that happen. Like, you would be off that bus as soon as that interview was over. And I was like, I just sat there like a good boy. And I was like, are you guys done with your Pokemon? Can I leave now? <laughs> I don't have anything of value on the bus, especially during the day. Like, they're, they're sweaty towels from showering and, like, dirty laundry and shit. Like, it's not like we keep, like, a bunch of money on there or anything, so... Yeah, I looked. I didn't find anything. <laughs> and it, it is Ty, correct? That's how you pronounce your name? It is. Oh, yeah. And we wanted to set the record straight right off the bat. Ty used to be in Vices, but because no, he was no, playing... Slaves. Or, sorry, yeah. Not- I was like Slaves, I think. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, he actually has a side project right now called Vices, which is why I said that. But he, he was in Slaves, but he drummed for it. But everybody thinks he was the bass player just because he's playing bass for for this king mothership but yeah. he was actually the drummer of, of yeah. slave well yeah you have to pick an instrument that's the only instrument that you can ever play for the rest of your life <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works right <laughs> yeah we have the pleasure of talking to spencer and ty of king mothership whose record doesn't come out as of when we're recording this for a month and a half i believe uh we're we're from the release date October second, yeah, second or third, I can never remember. It's one of the one of the two. Whatever the Friday is, I'm sure that's when it's yeah. coming out because that's 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 the weird thing now. We put records out on Friday, so you can party and have fun yeah. with it. That still feels weird to me. Like I always remember it coming out on Tuesday. Yeah, it was like Tuesday. Every yes. Week. Yeah. yeah. No, it's Friday. Put on the, How the long party it's been it. Friday for years now, but it still feels like it just <laughs> yeah. changed to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're like in your mid thirties, like we are, and you're like, okay, so for the last twenty years, records came out on Fridays. Even if it's been five years, you're still like, that's still fucking weird that records come out on Fridays. Uh, it will always be Tuesdays to me. New release Tuesday, Best Buy. You can get any CD you want for seven ninety nine. Dude, I, that's right. I went there every week to get the new records. Target, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, kind of getting right into the record. You know something. I'm going to say I feel a lot more comfortable talking to you, Spencer, on this one because it's not periphery and you don't have fans who are so diehard to know everything about you and this band that I feel like, okay, for once I'm a little bit ahead of the curve and people can't talk shit about me for not asking this or this question. So this is going to be a lot more fun and loose on my end. But well, Yeah, because um, only we've heard it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? That's that's true, yeah. yeah. Periphery fans are they're very diehard. They will uh, they will go for the throat if you're wrong about anything. <laughs> yeah. I will say, thankfully, everybody has been relatively nice uh, about our chat and saying like it's great to hear other questions that we don't hear. And I'm like, thank God, because I was like ready to shit my pants uh, the whole time, being like, everyone's gonna hate this. <laughs> <laughs> but all that aside, uh, something that really stood out to me about this, and and you know, in our past chat, kind of talking about Nick Mystery, is uh, I feel like there's kind of some Danny Elfman vibes going. Going on with some of the theatrical elements on this record and i know while this is kind of a concept record i wanted to know are you guys planning on making and this might be a weird reference 
like a moonwalker or a mini movie kind of to marry the audio and the, the, the narrative to a visual medium at all? Like, cause this feels like a very visual audio visual, uh, medium to me. Like it feels like it needs to have an accompaniment. I mean, that would be the dream, obviously. Like, I, I think there's a really cool story to be told within this whole thing that could be fleshed out um, if we did something like that. But it's obviously, you know, it's a it's a money thing. I mean, if you want to if you want to give me some investors, dude, I'll do it. <laughs> I believe three dot is your investors, correct? <laughs> yeah, not, <laughs> stuff like that for, for the music part, for sure. But I yeah, want stop yeah, exactly. It's going like, to get really expensive with Peter, Peter Gabriel, Sledgehammer yeah. video. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Style like that. <laughs> I mean, after hearing it, it, it plays almost like a Broadway like a Broadway musical <laughs> in a certain Absolutely. way. Absolutely. So, people, it's, it's like a weird rock opera. It's like my rock yeah. opera that I'm... So D. Snyder is going to be the lead in this? D. Snyder? Is that what you said? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Holy shit, no. no, no. That's actually not back. I'm sorry, David Hasselhoff. He was the replacement for D. Snyder back in the day on the uh, Jekyll and Hyde thing, I believe. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, yeah, him, for sure. He's the guy. But yeah. It'd be huge in Germany. They love Hasselhoff in Germany. Oh, that That's his country. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, like you were talking about Danny Elfman, um, huge, huge inspiration on me, like ever since I've been a kid. Like I've always just kind of liked that, especially like the Nightmare Before Christmas um, style stuff that he did. Uh, it's just it has this like evil, but also like heartwarming sound at the same time. You know, it's with so that, that's definitely been a huge inspiration for me. I'm genuinely now thinking about the what was it Dracula's Lament from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hard to like listen to this record and not think of it in a broader broader sense whether you're thinking like a play a musical whatever because like I, I feel like it is split into almost uh into thirds almost like a play like where it's like here's your first act your second act your third act and some of the music in it kind of accentuates like here's kind of a and i don't want to call it a uh intermission kind of piece but it's like the thing that almost like now here's kind of where we are in the story and it kind of you know is filling you in on what's been happening and and i feel like for a solo record especially your first it's just so wild to have you go so adventurous with this and knowing that a lot of this is what nine years old at this point and that you were able to cobble together this very progressive very story based idea for your first solo record and it's funny to me to think that as in the press release that you said like it sat on my shitty macbook and i'm like well if this is sitting on your shitty macbook like what do you have sitting on like your nice iphone or maybe a better macbook like at this point uh, there's there's a lot of shit we're yeah. we're tossing around it. We're already working on album two. Yeah. We're uh, we're like three songs deep into album two right now for King Mothership, and uh, it's it's definitely it's it feels more like a band now because uh, you know me and Ty, and then like obviously Matt doesn't live here in Vegas with us, but we're sending him ideas as we finish them, and you know he's already getting ready for for drums and stuff like that. He's going to have everything uh, ready ahead of time before we even finish writing the record. So it's it's a lot more uh, cohesive, and yeah, there's there's a lot of ideas sitting on my new computer. I got rid of that shitty um, <laughs> uh, about six months ago, and never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> what has the reaction been um, to the single that was dropped? Just considering what what your built-in fan base would 
would be expecting from you versus what this is. I mean, obviously, I think anybody with a brain realizes that it was always supposed to be a big left turn. But what has been the reaction as far as uh, people responding to the song and um, and being stoked about the record coming out? It's been pretty overwhelmingly positive. Um, this song was actually put out in a demo form, like on a on an old SoundCloud page I I used to have, like yeah, like eight years ago or so. So. There's a, a lot of those diehard periphery fans that have been around with us since the beginning that have heard this song, you know, in its earlier rendition. And, uh, dude, periphery fans are so funny. Like, that demo sounded so shitty, but there's still, like, <laughs> comment here. There, yeah. There's the, always going to be that odd comment from that one, like, super diehard fan that, like, has listened to Misha since 2005 on MySpace. Who's like, oh, I like the original version better. better yeah. Right. <laughs> Like it sounded so shitty. Like raper drums yeah. and shit. It was like dumb. Yeah. Yeah, and this is like Halper just raping the drum kit. It's like going for it on it and it sounds massive. Yeah. Yeah, but it's all about the nuance, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it must be. That's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like those kind of comments don't even make me mad. I just I start laughing. I just start <laughs> laughing hysterically because I'm like, clearly it doesn't, it didn't sound better. <laughs> Well, I'm to- I'm totally that guy, but like I've heard both versions, and I definitely prefer the uh, I-, I definitely prefer the uh, the modern version, uh, just to- just to save just to save my ears. You know, I just I bought brand new headphones, and so when I was listening to the record today, I actually got to like really appreciate it <laughs> in a way that uh, that that I could not with some of those demos because I remember um, hearing some of that stuff whenever it first you know whenever you were you kind of posting stuff here and there, but like. You know, I, I it was shocking to me what it all basically ended up turning into as far as a full scale production. And so John's question about like, man, you know, so where's the visual aspect of this isn't necessarily off base because it almost seems like it's written with that in mind. Well, maybe that I means I don't know. Like, I think down, I think down the road that could definitely be a possibility. We just need to we just need to get some investors. Yeah, we just need some thing, we just I need think. some money in the you know money in the till. I mean, I I would I have five on it, dude, especially right. I got three on it. I, I figured you would have three on it, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was always a there was always a really cool uh, thing with like the I brought it up in our Q and A video, but the deer hunter had this kind of a similar, um, which is obviously a huge inspiration of ours as well. Uh, they had a similar idea about doing it with the axe and doing doing like a seven axe play and like a book written for it. Like a, that would be so like a visual like a visualized like coffee table book thing is something I thought of would be really. Does cool. Does it turn into a coffee yeah. table though? We want to know. <laughs> what did you say does it turn into a coffee table does the coffee table idea turn into a coffee table it's a whole co- hey, it's, a, a, it's yeah. a whole coffee table book that is the coffee table a yeah. rectangular book that's big enough to be a coffee table yes <laughs> yeah well then this guy is this guy is bonkers that's the standard edition though let's talk about the deluxe edition where it's got a turntable built into the coffee table and it's like controlled by like just a little remote control you just hit play and the whole thing just opens up and there's a turntable in there and then like oh you're talking about the daw the daw version yeah yeah, the good version. Yeah, the the version that only serious fans are going to buy. <laughs> I want, how many beers deep are you guys already? Uh, four, <laughs> four maybe. I, you know, me and John BS a lot before these, so you know. <laughs> Just saying, it's a possibility. We do live in a world that if you if you release several different variants of anything, people will buy every single variant. So you can you you can price something as much as you want. And people will buy that version as well as all the standard versions. You know, something that was kind of interesting to me, and, you know, I know 
talking to you, Spencer, uh, previously, uh, talking about Periphery and talking about uh, Nick Mystery. And, you know, I had made the comment at the time about how I don't really hear a lot of Nick Mystery in what you do in Periphery, but, like, I hear some of the elements that the other guys bring in from their other bands. Um, I actually thought, vocally, this was really adventurous. And there's some... Maybe it's my age. Maybe it's the fact that I've been listening to a lot of early 90s, mid 90s uh, R&B and so forth in the last like two months. But like a song like Gold, I hear a lot of Bobby Brown vibes to me. And so it kind of made me wonder what were some of your vocal influences that inspired you for this release to kind of just explore different sonic textures that you haven't been able to on periphery stuff or even Nick Mystery for that matter. Um, Mike Patton's always been a huge influence on me. And this, this record, like probably knowing that now, if you went back and listened to it with that in mind, you'd be like, oh yeah, it's kind of like faith, no more worship, like all over the place. Cause to me, like I, I definitely heard that. And there's like some songs where you're kind of doing like that, like swing style vibe on some of the stuff and, you know, kind of going all over showcasing your range. But like there, and like I said, gold was kind of the one where I was like, I get like really early, like just leaving new edition style Bobby Brown vibes, like where it's like really R and B laced, and I feel like that's maybe a, a a part of your voice that maybe you don't use a whole lot in periphery or anything else. That I was like, this might surprise some people, where they're like, oh, okay, like dude's got a uh, got some interesting range that I've not heard before. And also, like, there's just a lot of nuance nuances that are coming through in my voice in this record because I I mix the vocals just like the loudest thing ever, right in your face. With periphery, like there's so many guitars and layers and stuff, and like certain nuances, in my voice can get lost in the mix. So that probably has something to do with it too. Like you're hearing every tiny little nuance of my performance, like right at the front of the recording. By chance, did I actually catch that you were carrying over some of the melodies from? And forgive me because I had most of this in my pocket, so I couldn't see the song titles. the The first song that starts off the record, I think it's Hope. Yep. I feel like there were some uh, vocal melodies and and even musical melodies that were carried throughout the rest of the record all the way to the very ending track. Am, am I correct in that that you're kind of carrying themes throughout the record uh, on those those? There's a lot of different different themes that are, uh, you hear early on in the record, and some of them were written for later in the record, and I brought them back to earlier. Like hope that uh, the main line of that song, I I took that from the chorus of Ego 101, which is like right in the middle of the record. Um, and, you know, kind of finagled it to work within the key of that song and uh, just to, to give like a nod to that. So it's like it happens right at the beginning of the record. And then when you're about halfway through it, you hear it again, but in a totally different context. There's a lot of that going on throughout the record, a lot of little Easter eggs like that, that I feel like you know people may not pick up on their first time. But like the more and more they listen to it, they'll pick up on stuff like that. So this is going to sound like a pretentious question. and I don't mean it to. But um, what came first, the story or the music? Uh, the music, for sure. The, and um, it was kind of just like a Frankenstein thing we put together. Like, um, even when I decided, you know, I have enough music uh, to make the record, it was like it still felt kind of disconnected. And I had to, you know, change lyrics here and there to fit parts of the story, how I wanted them to flow, and even write new pieces of music. Like, I, I think after we... I think I wrote like two or three extra yeah, songs after we decided to actually finish yeah, the record yeah, to, we, just to piece the story together and make it feel cohesive. Gotcha. So, and this is uh, this is one hell of a story. Um, it starts off innocent enough. Um, dude is uh, wants to just get, you know, be, wants to be somebody, right? Uh, and then we move into darker territory uh, <laughs> with uh, 
with with him wanting to you know basically end up making a deal with the devil in order to uh, to become a rock star becomes a rock star and then the thing that I was the most shocked about and not really shocked because you know I listen to Cannibal Corpse but uh you know suddenly 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 bodies start dropping but the music stays happy and <laughs> there's this there's, there's this really fun disjointed quality to it um and so I guess I, I guess my question out of all of those statements that I just made uh, would be like you know, I guess what was your inspiration for wanting to write a story like this to give it a to give it a darker kind of kind of a darker twist and maybe uh, maybe play off of people's emotions? Because the songs make me feel one way, but when I listen to the lyrics, uh, I feel a completely different way. Totally. And um, one movie that's a musical that I always loved that had that that was definitely an inspiration was like Sweeney Todd. Like oh, yeah. there there are. Moments- it's like one of the most gory movies yeah. ever, but there are parts of it where it's like, dude, what's yeah. happening? What you're seeing right now in this music does not line up. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to do that with the music, you know, make it very playful. And like, if you didn't know what was happening, like it could very, it could very easily slide by you what's actually going on in the story. Yeah. I have a note that basically, sorry, Dan, I have a note that basically is like, this might be the most fucked up Danny Elfman, Tim Burton film I've never seen ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's sick. That's awesome. Wow. Was, was, was Sweeney Todd Tim Burton? It was. Okay, it definitely yeah. was. Yeah, obviously, because yeah. Johnny Depp and uh, Helena Bonham Carter were in it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that, Danny Elfman composed a lot of. Did he compose? I, I wasn't yeah. sure if he actually composed a lot of the music. To that. I think pretty much that's like if you see Tim Burton, you're gonna see Danny Elfman. Almost like at this point now, if you see a, ah, uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh guy who did Pulp Fiction, Tarantino. If you see Tarantino, you know, like, Riz is probably going to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I think that's so cool when when people have teams like that, and they, like, always bring the same kind of team in. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, for as far as following this story for the listener, are is this just one of those, like, we'll just have lyrics to read along with, or will there be, like, any sort of, like, additional... Um, exposition on the storyline because the storyline is really what caught me the most. Even though I mean, obviously, obviously, I like the music, but it's uh, it, it's it's one of those things where you know I feel like it all works together like really well as as a single package. So like, will there be any exposition once we're once it's released um, to kind of fill in you know any any sort of like um, any sort of like time lapses, gaps, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's something that I've definitely thought about doing, whether it's like, you know, recording kind of like an interview style explanation of it or, you know, like or if we can put together some sort of media that tells more of the story and bridges gaps between, you know, maybe one point in the story. There's like months in between certain parts, you know, and flesh out the story. And it just it just depends, man. Like, I I honestly don't know how people are going to accept this whole thing once it's out and we're kind of just waiting to see before we like put all of our eggs into it, you know? Sure. Yeah. There some people might take it straight up at face value. I'm kind of hoping they'll want to dive deeper though, which would then want, make us want to dive deeper. Yeah. It's really create up. products for, you know, or create content or whatever for people to consume. Yeah. That it, way. It's really up to, you know, the listeners, how everything's going to go. Like if it takes off, maybe we'll end up playing live and touring, you know, or there'll be, final or you know whatever we're just kind of gonna go with the just roll with the punches on it and see where it takes us well and i gotta say i mean when you're listening to it just like fresh like i did you know earlier this week just taking it all in you know there is definitely a 
quality of like you can definitely tell that there's more going on than just like a song like songs and words you know in the se- in the sense that like obviously obviously what's being sung about isn't like the normal point of view from a normal person you know so i think that that in and of itself is going to draw people in and be like okay well so what what is this record actually about <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I hope so. I hope people get weird, you know, like those crazy Star Wars fanboys who just create like entire side plots and things that are going on that nobody's ever talked about. Like, no one's ever written this movie has ever said this, but you're making it up on the internet, so it must be real. Like, a lot of that shit. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for the fandom. You know, kind of piggybacking off of Dan's question a little bit, you know, with this being such an adventurous project and and knowing that basically for Spencer, it it kind of came from ideas that you were trying to just get out uh during i think it was periphery too i believe is what the press release kept saying and thinking about how long ago that was and you know all that kind of shit like i've I've just kind of been thinking as i listened to the record you know and dan kind of asked like what came first the music or the lyrical idea but kind of adversely are there b-sides to this that maybe like were part of a narrative that you wanted to incorporate but really when you're kind of trying to fit together a, a 12 song epic that just didn't fit that you're like ah this this doesn't really go this this drags too long it doesn't get where i need it to go and pulled away like are there b-sides to this or is everything literally that you kind of worked on back then fully represented in in this uh final product no there are definitely b-sides there there are probably like three full songs maybe not fully with singing but like structured and like instrumentation wise like fully fleshed out songs that just weren't they weren't the right vibe for the record and we you know we've toyed around the idea of bringing them back maybe for the second record but um what funny enough we did this uh periphery did this ep called clear um um it was like maybe six or seven months after we did p2 and one of the songs on that that's matt's song was supposed to be on the record um it was called feed the ground and the the riff like the heavy riff and feed the ground um, is actually on one of the songs on this Mothership record because it was like a theme and it was supposed to come back in that song later in the record. But that's after I like kind of changed the story. Like the, the story's gone through like three different kind of changes and in, in directions I wanted to take it. And that song was just kind of a song where it was like, ah, it's, it's not going to fit the vibe of the story or whatever. So let's just use it for clear instead. Yeah. Dan, you got something? Yeah. So like, you know, in the creation of this, I know, I know that really, you know, the, the idea was to make it like, not like periphery, you know? Um, and I think, and, and I do, you know, there, there obviously are a few heavy parts kind of thrown in there. Um, and I feel like cosmic meltdown makes the most sense as far as being the first sing five minutes long single. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, it, were were the heavier moments in that because I didn't get a whole lot of a whole lot of heavy at, after that. Um, was that just was that like the ideal lead single because maybe some of the heavier moments on it would would kind of pull in the periphery fans and make them feel a little bit more at home. Uh, I think we just chose it because we thought that it was uh, probably like the catchiest song on the record and the most digestible up front. Um, like as the first thing you've heard, if you've never known about this project or anything going on in it, and it also is kind kind of gives like an overview of what's going to happen uh, yeah. in the story, you know, and like gives that yeah. intro to the main character. It's it's like a pretty clear synopsis of the whole record as 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 a as a sound and as like a yeah kind of a concept like encapsulates pop, poppy and and catchy and then really dark and 
metally and then kind of like a, re- a resolution. It's kind of like it's kind of like the whole record once. It is, yeah. It definitely has elements from my thing. Yeah, and it has some piss and shit talk right off the right off the gate. Which I was. Yeah, yeah. I was not expecting it, and I actually almost spit my coffee out because I was at work when I heard it for the first time, and I was like, "Oh man, like this is." This is for real. Like I'm in. I'm in. The, I'm in this now. Like I, I'm. I'm fully in now. Like, <laughs> nobody has ever. El- nobody else has ever used the lyrics "shit stain on his ass." Yeah, that's. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you in the mail eight points for originality. That's that's awesome. I look forward to getting it. Yes. All right. I I I feel like that's kind of something that can't be understated enough. Is I feel like lyrically. All bets are off with this. Like, I know, obviously, it's following a concept. It's following a story that you kind of have to tell a narrative. But I feel like there's just a sense of, like, fun throughout the whole record. And and I'm not saying Periphery isn't that. Um, but I think Periphery is fun if you're a musician nerd and you're like, like, I mean, granted, I went and saw you on that tour with uh, Dance Gavin Dance and I saw a lot of arms folded dudes staring at the, the instrumentation of it and being like, yeah, I like that. that, that that's about how they play that. And it uh, sounds like the record. But I feel like this, like, I feel like so, it could appeal so, to him. So me on discography. Yeah, it's, it's, it. it's not it's not angry metalhead dude who's like sitting there with his arms crossed waiting like the impress me, bro. Uh, this is not metal. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't help but just feel like this is a fun record and something that. Like I said, it's not that Periphery isn't good, it's not fun, but I feel like this just tackles a completely different sonic territory than you have, even with Nick Mystery or with Periphery, and I feel like it showcases a more fun side of, of you and Matt, even, and everybody, really, that's involved in this, that maybe is missing from progressive metal or progressive rock or whatever, where everything's so fucking serious, and... I personally really dug that. Like that was something upon the first listen to this record. I was like, this is fun. I like it. It's like more progressive metal panic at the disco at times. And I fucking dig that where it's like, it's got catchy hooks. It's got catchy choruses, but it's also got, you know, riffs and shit. And I don't know, like, I'm just really interested for people to hear the whole thing. And then, and to see what people think of this, how, how do you think people are going to react to this record? I don't know, man. And I never really thought about that. It was just always kind of just like, a true representation of my sound in, in like my creativity, the way I create music. And um, that's the thing I started to realize over there is it was like, wow, it's almost like, it's like a very cathartic thing for me, just like getting out how I actually want to write and like having fun with it and viewing it like, you know, like a play when, and also like, you know, you talking about the playful aspect of the lyrics and stuff. I think taking eight years on it really, it lent itself to that just naturally because you know, I wasn't in one period of time writing wise for for the whole record. It was like, OK, I'll work on these couple songs for a few months, take a year off, work on these songs for a few months, you know, and I'm in a different headspace uh, for different sections of the record, you know, throughout the past eight years. Out of curiosity, did that actually lead to a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say issues, but did that lead to some kind of uh, conflict with creating continuity the, with the fact that you're kind of pulling from the past, but you're trying to write in the in the present? And is it hard to kind of marry those ideas? It was at first, man, and that's why I, I you know, kind of nixed it for a long time and just, yeah, I, I grew out of the sound that I was in when I originally started this stuff uh, 
for a couple of years and just was like, oh, I'm never going to put it out. And um, then, you know, came back to it. Like Ty is, is a big reason why I came back to it. I was like, you know, just I opened one of the old sessions that we did that Matt recorded drums for because I wanted to learn how to mix live drums. And it happened, you know, just so happened that one of the songs in this record, um, Matt recorded drums for it uh, before we decided to do this whole record or whatever. So I was like, oh, I'm going to open that session. And Ty came over and heard me working on it. He's like, what's this? And I was like, oh, it's just this little like shitty rock rapper thing that like I had from <laughs> back in the day. I'm just it's like a test mix type of thing. He's like, this is sick, dude. Like, what else do you have for that? And I was like, yeah, you know let's uh let's check it out so i like opened all the old sessions they sounded horrible but it was like this, the ideas the ideas were there yeah and um like, and yeah it was like a blank it was like a book with like an idea written on every page where it's just like you need to flesh the story out you know it was, it was there though yeah like, and the, the bones the, were there and they were good and the recording sounded fucking terrible oh my God. Man. It was <laughs> i love that too what do you got going on over here oh nothing i just like may or may not have created like my own like universe over here it's no bit it's no big deal, man. It lives on this hard drive and in this notebook, but like, it's it's not a big deal. Like, don't even worry about it. Do you guys like Big Dumb Face? I kind of wrote a record like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just dog shit on a hard drive. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I felt about it at the time, honestly. <laughs> well, like t- speaking to the lyrics too. Like, this is weird to me, and like, it's weird in a good way. Um, if it was weird in a bad way, I wouldn't tell you. But like, it's one of those like. Uh, it's it's funny how like upfront and honest the lyric like this is one of the first like story albums I've listened to that like I could actually pick up what was going on in the story because the lyrics were so much more straightforward. You know, like this isn't like a Coheed and Cambria situation where like you have to you have to be subscribed to like twelve months of a comic book and then read and then that's coming dan that's coming that yeah is coming. yeah okay all right it can it can come but like i'm just saying you don't need it yeah that's, <laughs> I mean. that's on their only fans the only fans is where you're gonna get the comic dude check out my only fans you know i i stream video games in my underpants it's fine well, slick balls and sick records it's dude. all we do in our only fans is we just put on one of our songs and that's the whole video <laughs> There you go. For extra for extra money, you can actually see the urine-soaked pants from... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I have piss pants. He's got shit in his ass. That, that's at least on the $200 mark. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Nobody can afford that stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even ask a question, but I just felt like I had to say that. Like, it's 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 really refreshing though to hear like straightforward lyrics. So I'm going to ask the question that I ask everybody and be like, was it intentional to be more straightforward, or was it just like this is this is me? I don't want to like beat around the bush or whatever. Like, I've got kind of this. I don't want to really say message, but I've got, I've got this idea that I want to present to you. So I'm going to present it as clear as possible. Was it like an attempt to be more poetic, or was it more of like th- this is what's going on? I think for me, like, I don't know, listening to some concept records, sometimes it's like, man, you have a hard time grasping what's going on. And I was like, that would be so cool, you know, like to do a record like that to where in this, you know, short universe of this, you know, three, five, six minute song or whatever, like get as much of that story painted in somebody's mind up front with the lyrics so they don't have to dig so hard. You know, maybe there is more going on, but there's a very clear picture of what's going on fit into that, you know, short like I said, that short time span of that song. Yeah, totally. And it's it's refreshing, too, because in this day and age, what are we all listening to this record on? We're listening to it on our phones. I recently started using Tidal. 
Um, How is that? Like, I used it just because, like, I'm a big hip hop fan. So, like, when dude, it's it's the shit. You can listen to to. I mean, it's a little more expensive. Like, I think the the high quality version is what I use, and it's twelve ninety nine a month. It's like the highest quality streaming. Like we did, we did tests on studio monitors, like between all the streaming services, like the main ones, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, and then Tidal. And it's like you're listening to a completely different song, dude. When you play the same song on each streaming service, yeah. dude, it's insane. You you can actually pay. I think it's like fifteen ninety nine a month if you want like the FLAC uh, audio version. And it's it, dude, it's nuts. It's like you're listening to a master out of like a Pro Tools session. Well, it's funny is like the reason that title got me being a big Kanye fan, whether you agree with me or not, but uh, you're wrong, John. That, oh, I love Kanye. Uh, I, I will tell you that you you are wrong, Dan. Kanye is great, and I'm going to tattoo him on my leg. Forever. It's weird because I thought I was the Christian music guy. <laughs> now you're all about Jesus and Jesus. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. I, it is one of my favorite concerts I've ever been to, and I've seen a shitload of shows. Um, all that aside, though, the thing that got me about title and what was interesting, and, and I'm kind of interested to see how this changes, because I've heard that uh, I think it's Ticketmaster is going to change this uh, as far as how they progress with music and so forth. So, like, title would do... You get pre-sale codes for concerts, and that's why I signed up initially, so I could get like pre-sale for Kanye to go see him when he was here in town. And I've heard that like Ticketmaster, because of I don't know necessarily if it has a term, but basically like you would like an artist would put out a record, and then you could buy a ticket to the show or the subsequent tour, and you would get the quote-unquote album for free. And what that did was it basically boosted the album sales. And I've heard that in the last five to six months, they're going away from that because it's technically, I don't want to say legal, but it's the industry has kind of basically caught up and been like, that's cheating the number. Like falsifying your numbers on It's Nielsen. stupid. Like, who cares about numbers? Anymore? Yeah. Nobody gives a shit about first week numbers aside from like industry people, like fans, yeah. like people are always fans faces and shit dude they don't give a fuck about that man can i can i ask a question like i've asked this a couple of times and i've gotten varying traps by the way yeah (laughs) you said it only matters when it's trapped by the way (laughs) yeah so i've asked this question a handful of times uh during these covid times but you know, as someone who has kind of got a lot of friends in the industry and, and people who talk about first week numbers and, and, and kind of like what you're projecting and, you know, different ways to market and, and boost your numbers, like something in the early 2000s that we saw a lot of was the, oh, here's the here's a, the album and then like the DVD. And technically that would count toward two album sales for every unit because you had two discs in, in the, the package. And it was a way to inflate your numbers. And so what's interesting is I'm wondering if in light of all this covid shit if we're going to see the industry shift away from first week numbers because they realize in light of this where you can't tour it doesn't fucking matter what your first week numbers are it matters what the record does over the course of a year two years like if it's still doing well and it's still pushing units isn't that the important thing like are we going to get away from this antiquated model because of it because of covid Albums that'll stand the test of time. That's what's going to yeah. matter. I mean, like, we were what just, is it? The, the fucking Black Album we were still sells. Like, oh, my God. Absolutely. It's like, dude, talk about that instead of, you know, you yeah. sold this many first week. Like, that's not going to matter in two months from now. I felt know? like I felt like that first week stuff for so many years, at least the amount of time that I've been in the industry, 
has only really been a metric to show how big a band's like rise has been or how big a band thinks they are in comparison to the bands that they are in competition with, quote unquote. So oh, like on the rise as far as like if they're if, if they're if they're marked, yeah, no. It, I'm not going down that. Uh, if there's just like a you know, if there's a if it's just a marketing scheme or something, you know, if their marketing did well, it's a way it's an immediate response to whether or not their you know, their promotion was was in the right place if their money on marketing was spent right. You know, I don't think it I don't think the metric matters any more than a brag right. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so either. I, I think, think that's all it is. I think really. that's all it is is it's a dick swing. I mean pre pre COVID though, I think it was basically just a metric that you use to decide which band was going to headline a tour and like what bands they were going to bring out. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah. And who could? It was a. It was a. It was kind of like a way to strong arm people into certain guarantees. It was a way to strong people into certain slots on to, on package tours, warp tours, festivals, yeah. festival stuff. Like there was there was some ridiculous thing. It was like one of the. Ugh, I don't remember which which bring me their horizon record was. It was just a crazy huge sale. Then three years later, they would do another one, and it was like half their sales first week. And they were twice as big of a band. Yeah, and then probably it, some paternal into uh, that spirit. I think it was, and it was they're twice the size of the band on that. That probably spirit. even bigger, and probably even, dude. Yeah, huge. They're so much bigger now. Like, so they're much like the, I, I would say like the biggest rock yeah. band, and people are still that's not mainstream. In people the world. were still using that metric to try to. Oh, they've they've lost fans. Oh, they're not as big anymore. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? They get a million dollars oh, a the, show. Yeah, they're huge. Nobody buys. Nobody buys hard copy. Why are we stuck on that? Actually, I guess that's a good question. And as is that something you guys? Because like I've I I can't speak for Dan, but I think we both would agree that it's kind of interesting. Sometimes in doing these chats, you kind of get a little behind the scenes uh, information about how the industry is working. When you see something like Bring Me, who are kind of shucking the traditional release schedule, where they're like, "Fuck it, we're putting out singles, we're putting out EPs," like. The album is dead. Like we're kind of going more hip hop kind of bass, like mixtape style shit. When when that kind of stuff is happening and it's and it's hitting, and you're seeing like a bigger reaction in the live sense. Granted, I know COVID's throwing this all out of whack, but are you getting feedback from labels where they're like, "Hey, you guys need to maybe be doing this"? Like, are are is that happening? Are they like can, like trying to make you? It's not happening to us per se because we're, I mean, we we are the label, um, right? And we realize that that kind of thing works very well for a band like like Bring Me or you know their other peers um, that are based, you know, have a different kind of fan base. Like we're a, a prog metal band, so I don't think that Periphery putting out a single, um, or, or you know, without having like a record to back it up, like Periphery fans want records, you know, like that's that's the thing with kind of like prog bands and like these underground type bands. But for a band like Bring Me, I think that's genius. I think what they're doing, they're like front runners showing people that on that side of the industry. They're like giving them the blueprint, like how to do it as far as I'm concerned. I think they're doing it better than anybody yeah. else in the rock game right now. Doing small content, releasing them in intervals that are – or just or just cold dropping stuff. Just cold dropping a single I love music. that, dude. I, I love, love that. that. You, pop, you pop on YouTube one day and it's like, oh my god, new music. And it's, it's like a great surprise instead of – Oh, two week run up to a song that maybe lets you down. Yeah, it's very anticlimactic. I I don't know when I see stuff like that and people just you know promoting things before they're out mm -hmm. too much. It's it's like try hardy yeah. to me. I I don't know, and that that's just me. I mean, yeah. it may not be the way everyone per um, perceives it, but I like when things are just cold dropping. Yeah. I think it's the coolest fucking thing. Yeah, like Hum did with their newest record. Like it just it just came out and it was like sweet. I got a new Hum record. I've been waiting, you know, 
a million years, but like uh, it, it was fine. And yeah, like I agree with you 100% because nothing frustrates me more like as a podcast host. Like I get so many emails every day from people that like, hey, my band just put out their first single. Do you want to do an interview? And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm sure you like, I'm sure your band is great, you know, like, and I'm sure it's, <laughs> you know, like for real, like I, I could be, I could be, I could be passing up on stuff that is like incredible, but like if, if it's one song, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like you have that friend, right. That That's writing a book. You know, we all, we all have that friend that's writing a book. And like the frustrating thing about that is that like they want, they, they've written the prologue to their book and they want everybody to pre-order the book. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, Okay, well, let me know when the book's finished and you're sending it to people to proofread before you tell me that you have a book written. I, I think that's, dude, I think that's a huge problem we have in the music industry. Um, everybody, you know, with social media, I think, is, is caused as the main, the main culprit, is nobody wants to do the groundwork. Everybody wants the career and for everything to be laid out for them and everything to be handed to them right when they start. It's like, no, dude, like, you, you got to pay some fucking dues and, like, yeah. eat some shit for years before people yeah. even start giving Shit's two fantastic. fucks about anything you're doing. Right. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter if you're a great band. Like if you're a great like like if you've got musical talent that nobody else has, you know. It, but it's just one of those like yeah, but you need people to actually hear it and be able to build up some sort of organic following. I think you could almost take it a step further and be like, you see, like this is something I talked about. I don't remember who I was talking about it with, um, but I feel like this is something you see now in the local scenes. Like you see people who are oh, it, it was. Uh, Ah, fuck who was it we just dropped the episode like very recently um anyway wow john you're just big time in people no, already. It, was, wow. it was it was michael from volumes that's who it was it was michael from volumes and we were talking about the fact that i was like do you see people coming to you and asking you how do i get where you are and basically what that means is how do i bypass all the bullshit of yeah. having to earn my way and all the bullshit that informs you of how to be a successful band because of what you've gone through and how to be a tighter unit because of all the shit you've gone through as a as a unit Dude, it's only yeah it's like those, those people don't understand it's it's only time and like it, it, the people who are willing to to wait it out longer who ha who have talent are the ones that are going to come out on top you know it's There's a lot of these bands make it that even that have amazing talent that will never be heard they just didn't have the staying yeah. power and they just couldn't they couldn't eat shit for all those they years they can't get out of their own way and they think they're entitled to it yeah. you know it's like the, the it, there's no get rich quick scheme in the music industry or in the financial industry or in any other fucking industry to be honest with you it's all about the groundwork and and actually doing it the, what i what i can say is the positive turn that i've seen during covid is a lot of people are trying to get really creative with the content they're putting out and there's such a shit of it now i feel like it's almost getting to the point where it's a little oversaturated you know so yeah. people have to have to maybe be a little bit smarter about what they put out and how they put it out and when they put it out and maybe keep an eye on who else is putting stuff out and when they're doing it so they don't get lost in the mix i think I think that's kind of uh, something that King Mothership right now is especially focused on. Not putting out too much, not putting out too little, putting out just enough to where we're not shoving it down people's throats, you know? Because I hate when people do that. Yeah. For me, I, I don't like to see that to other people. Right and now. it's not even easy for us. Like, for, for me personally, I'm pretty eager. You know, I want all this stuff. I want people to hear this stuff. But at the same time, if it's just too much, people are going to get annoyed. If it's not enough, nobody's going to know. So that's one good takeaway people could maybe, you know, have is... 
right now during all this shit. Make your content, but be smart about how you put it out. Exactly. So that's something we've actually focused on the podcast quite a bit about is it seems like nowadays everyone's basically giving away a whole record for free before it even comes out. You're getting five, six, seven songs out of a 12-song record. And I remember, you know, I think collectively we're all roughly the same age. You know, we've kind of joked about, you know, remembering when we were young. But I remember, like, even as early as when Diamond Eyes came out by Deftones, Rocket Skates was like the fucking leadoff single. It was the promotional single, and then I think you got Diamond Eyes. Yeah. And so it's like you had one, two singles, and you were like, if you like those singles, I'm pre-ordering the record. I'm I'm hoping that's enough to get me interested in the record a month and a half, two months before it comes out. And, and maybe even potentially to buy a ticket to see the band bef- before I hear the record. But I feel like now bands and labels are just giving away so much of the content just to keep a band in front of the quote-unquote fans or whatever. I don't know. So it's been interesting that in all of this, you guys have only released, and correct me if I'm wrong, one single. And you're it, it seems like you're kind of going off the old business model where it's like, I hope this is enough to get people interested in pre-ordering the record and, and following us on the socials and, and all that kind of stuff. We have some other stuff planned leading up, you know, but we're not... We're hardly giving any like a fraction of the record, the whole record away. I mean, we're still months out too, as of when yeah. we're recording this. So we have what do we have next as far as we tell them? I yeah, think, yeah. There's, have, there's one uh, song coming out on the, have, the 11th. We have Matt's playthroughs, which are coming out next. So we did the single, then we did my playthrough, then we did the Q and A video. Yeah, Matt, Matt's, Matt's got a drum playthrough drum. for Cosmic Meltdown and the next single that comes out. Yep. Um, and then, and then the after that, we've got it. We've got a surprise. So a, 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 a week before the record drops, um, the the last song on the record will come out. That's like you know, like I don't know what. No, with Bellini. Eight, eight, yeah, yeah. Eight, Pl- eight, and, eight and Pliny's agreed to do a, uh, a solo playthrough for it. So when that song drops, oh shit. Out a video uh, of him doing the solo playthrough with it. How do you feel about the record? Like, obviously, with it taking so long to kind of get a final product out, and how are you feeling currently about putting this record out? And what do you ex- what is the song that you're most excited for people to hear off this record? Oh shit! Um, I have my probably this probably the song only you yep. just because that was that was yep. like a very last minute song that came together on the record yeah. just to like tie parts of the story together and it was a lot of, a lot of people don't know this but there was. Like the record was done like six months ago, mixed mastered and ready to go and, a lot sooner than this. And uh, you know, with COVID happening and all this, you know, Wayne was like, was like, oh, we're gonna push this, push this back. You know, we have other things planned for periphery and stuff during this whole time. Um, and I was like, well, if that's the case, I'm gonna remix the record because I, I just didn't like the job that I did mixing it. I felt like it was kind of rushed, and I didn't know as much back then as, as I know now about mixing in the studio and everything. So I Can re- I cut you off for just a second? You, uh, because I don't have any of this information. You you mix and mastered this? I mixed it and Taylor Taylor Larson mastered it. Okay. I, I don't have any of that information, so that, that's news to me personally. Yeah, okay. me too. Yeah, right on. Well, um, yeah, and there were like bits, like even Hope, like the, the intro track didn't have vocals on it originally. Yeah. And then on this round of you know mixing the record out me and ty were like oh let's just add a bunch let's of shit and make stuff. it feel like more of a finished record we added transitions in and out of every yeah like it didn't use be like that. so yeah. the song only you was actually um uh matt's drums from the song before that which is uh gold. which is gold it's from groups that song that i took and chopped and uh like changed the tempo on them and like mm-hmm. you know kind of stretched things out to make them feel like a, a totally different song yeah. And uh, we added that in as like just another piece of the story. So that's probably my favorite because it's like the newest, yeah. you know, out of out of a record that's taken eight years to do. There's definitely parts of the record that I've gotten sick of hearing, and I'm definitely not sick of hearing that song yet. 
I'm curious to know if they caught the Easter egg at the end of on I Stand Alone. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. At the very, very end. In a- Are you talking about the, the, the melody at the end that is similar to the one that starts Hope? No, no, no. Like right when the music stops at the end, there's a little a little Easter egg thrown in there. It's like me saying something like in an affected voice. Oh, I missed that because when the music stopped, I just turned it off and started over again. And, you know, I've kind of said this about a couple of other records recently where I feel like I stand alone and the ending of the record actually transitions pretty well into the beginning. And, you know, like I said, and I was going to say, like, you know, I was saying earlier, like, where I feel like this is kind of a play, I feel like this is really structured in a three-act structure. Like, by the time you get to, I think it's, it might it might be Eagle 101, but it could have been The Ritual. I, I'm not sure. Like I said, I, I don't get to see the song titles when I'm listening to this. But I know, like, one of those two songs, I was like, this feels like the third act. This th- feels like the third act. Like, if you were to go see a play, this would be the beginning of the third act. It kind of is bringing you back into the, narr- the narrative of the story and bringing it home. And it's really interesting to kind of see to hear a record really i should say that feels so visual even though as of now there's no visual accompaniments to this in the broad spectrum of how i feel like this record actually should be presented yeah all we have to go off right now is just the the album cover and the artist did a great job so the idea behind that if you didn't know was every square um it feels very midsummer-esque if i can say that oh it it was it was hugely inspired by the the art of midsummer yes yes the quilt to tell the entire, I wanted everybody to be able to look at that cover, and before they even hear the record, know what it's about. They're seeing the entire story of the whole record right there on one piece of art. Yeah, that's really cool. That helped me actually follow along a little bit better. You yeah. had the pubic hair pie. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's like the the piece on there where like the guy's got the the swirlies in his eyes. Oh, that yeah, was like yeah. that was definitely taken yeah. uh, from the influence from from that like kind of part of the movie i i think that was yeah it like showed the girl like with the pubic hair and the drink or whatever and then the guy's got swirly eyes <laughs> yep, so, uh, absolutely <laughs> that's awesome um you know like to to tie this interview i guess up in a little bit of a bow um this is this is my cheese part of the interview where i say that like absolutely let's go but like this was one of the most creative records i've heard this year in the sense that, like, I've heard a lot of records, <laughs> obviously, that, that came out this year, but this was probably the one that I was the most intrigued by. And um, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, good job, guys. You made me think. And I haven't digested it all 100%. And I'm going to totally take advantage of my podcasterness and be able to listen to it before anybody else hears it so that whenever... Whenever people make comments on it on Facebook or on YouTube or on whatever social media platform they choose to voice their opinion, I get to be the guy that like adjusts my glasses a little bit and be and is like, "Well, guys, <clears throat> actually, it's about this." <laughs> um, and if you listen to the if you listen to the subtleties, you know, like and and, and the nuance, can't forget the nuance. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's cool, and I think that the record is going to is going to do well. Um, and I think that even fans of heavy music, cause like I'm more of a meathead. I spend most of my time listening to like grindcore and, you know, death metal and like all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but I, I found a lot to like in this record and I think that it was a really good flex of the creation of the creative muscle. And, um, I think, uh, I, th- I think this record is going to do, going to do well for you guys. And, uh, and I appreciate, I appreciate you guys talking to us tonight and, 
kind of getting into a little bit of the questions that we had and, and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a blast, man. These, these were, uh, you guys had great questions. Yeah. Like when I, when we do interviews and stuff like that, especially like, you know, that we, we get in periphery, there's always so much of the same questions and you guys did a great job of, you know, making it fun and just feeling like it's a conversation yeah. rather than like an interview or something like yeah. that. Yeah, dude. Conversations are way more interesting. Cause like, I know whenever I listen, whenever I listen to interviews with like my favorite bands and stuff, there there's always kind of a certain like you can tell when they're on a press cycle, or whenever you know they're supposed to say a certain thing. So like you can listen to like five podcast interviews with a band, and they're gonna always give the exact same canned answers, and it's like really 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 stupid like to for the interviewers to not even like listen to the other podcasts that are that are, that are doing those interviews. So like you end up with like. So how did you guys come up with the name King Mothership? You know, and like stuff that like doesn't ultimately matter. Like what what matters is that people like you guys and whenever they hear the 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 joking, more jovial manner in which you guys in the way that you guys approach things, it, it makes it more real. It makes it more fun and it makes it something more relatable. So it's not even I think that's why Joe Rogan has like one of the most successful podcasts, you know, it's just conversations, it's just conversations man. Like it's yeah. just what people want to hear. It's the human experience, you know? Right. Cause I can hear you on the record. You know, I don't, I don't need somebody to sit down and explain to me what the record is because the record is there and everybody can listen to it. Right. But like a, a more casual conversation, it's, it's more important for us to, to get people to be fans of you as a person and in that regard, they're not going to be like somebody that's like, well, this isn't heavy and I like periphery, but I don't know if I like this other thing. Whereas if they hear you talk about it on a podcast and, you know, and, and give your true thoughts and your truth feelings on things, people are more apt to actually check that out because they're a fan of you and not just a fan of like what the, what the product is. Totally. Totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite things about <laughs> speaking to that, that, uh, People have commented on on the YouTube version since we filmed uh, you, Spencer, uh, talking back to me with my uh, questions. Is everyone being like, Mark really liked his Chinese food? Because <laughs> he was eating Chinese food in the background. I'm like, I have so many comments on that interview. And I was like, did did you not even listen to what we we're talking about? You're Jesus, just you, eat, you eat Chinese food one time. And yeah. But it's so funny. Everyone's like, I wish I loved anything the way like Mark loves Chinese food like he is in the background. I was like, thanks for checking out my, my YouTube video of Mark eating Chinese food, you assholes. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah, Mark is very passionate about food, and, yeah. and he loves Asian food, Asian too, food. obviously. Yeah. And I can only speak for our Instagram. Like when, or, uh, like when people leave comments, and like there have been times where people leave comments, and I'm like, obviously you think the person I interviewed is going to see this and they're not because they don't give a shit. This is one of like 700 interviews they're doing. But what's funny is when people leave those comments, I just want to be an asshole and be like, if you think this person's going to see this comment, they're absolutely not like not on YouTube. Like, no, my favorite comment of all time is the, uh, everybody's talking about the interview, talking about the interview. And then somebody's like, I made $6,000 a month last night by working from home. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I'm important enough to get spam bots to comment on my content. And then Spencer's like, you know what? We don't make enough money in periphery to uh, to make a living. <laughs> wow, John. 
Wow, that's because that happened. It happened, Dan. It made it made national. I believe. I know. News. I know. It made I national was, music news. I don't remember which member of Periphery said it. I was there. Was like we don't make enough money. The music industry doesn't pay us enough money just to release music to make a living, and that made headlines. People were like, "Oh, well, it's because like they got fucked on publishing or whatever." <laughs> and I'm like, apparently, everyone knows everything about the music industry, and like, why the fuck do you even listen to just, anything? Just go to you their know, site. You know. and- Go to their site and buy their stuff. That's that's literally the message here. You know what's funny is like we've talked about that, but we've never said, "Hey, we don't make any money." Like, "Hey, we make money as a band. Like, we paid our dues." You know, like we're not fucking like poor out here or anything. No, 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 no. You're poor. You're broke. That was what the internet told me. <laughs> and the internet's always right, no matter what the nuance is. No matter you're what using the box is. dye, right? You're using box dye for your hair. You can't even go to, afford to go to a salon, right, Spencer? That's the, like Sally's beauty supply, like shitty. <laughs> you're using like, manic panic tell everyone you're using manic panic and we'll all be good that's what it is it's manic panic dude because yeah. i just i can't commit man i don't know if i want my hair to be red for three months you know yeah. and that's why you're single man <laughs> click baby wow <laughs> oh. but in all seriousness thank you guys so much for doing this chat i know it was like all over the place but it you know um i like to have fun and i'm glad that you guys like to have fun as well where can everyone find you and or the band online so they can follow all of your polyrhythmic uh, <laughs> updates? Um, Instagram, Twitter. I think the band has Facebook. We I'm do. Not sure. We do yeah. now. Um, all the all the usual places at King Mothership. Um, that just that leads you to all of our personals. Yeah, if you want to pre-order whatever, there's pre-order you know, link. Three dot recordings dot com. Yep. I think is what it is. And uh, the King Mothership yeah, Instagram bio has the link for pre-order as well. Yeah. If anybody wants, where do I pre-order? Where do I pre-order the coffee table that's also a vinyl player? Yeah, well, you Damn know it. it's coming, baby. Yeah, that's the one. That's OnlyFans, Dan. We already established that. I got my dude. I got my three bucks, like right here. Like, it's, <laughs> let's do it. I do. I do have a question. I don't know if I'll keep this in or not. Um, because we didn't touch on this. What will the live setting of this look like if you guys choose to do this in a live setting? Because like. I think on record, as far as the liner notes, it's three or four of you. And I feel like there's so much more than three or four of you's worth of material being presented. Have you started to think about what the live I'd looks like, like? We'd have like a grand piano on stage and like a sick pianist. Cause that's like the whole part of the record. But I think I'd rather spend the money on fire breathers and fucking, if there's not, if there's not clowns juggling chainsaws, not clowns juggling chainsaws. I don't want to be there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's ridiculous. There's no point. Theatrical as possible. Maybe as theatrical as possible, yeah. but also, you know, keep it as true to the music true as possible, to music. too. But, like, you know, that's we're a long way from that down the road. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, if we do end up playing live, it's going to be something special. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not just going to be something that's thrown together. Forgive me for asking a really ignorant question. Spencer, if you play something live, are you going to play an instrument live? Can can yeah. you? Yeah, I'll probably Wow, play dude. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'll probably play guitar live, yeah. There'll be some hey, keys in I, there. Hey, fuck you, Dan. I so... Hey, man. Wow. I just can't even like... You know, I can't play. I'm not a, obviously not a musician. I'm a singer. You know, so. <laughs> I mean, that's why you have so many people in periphery playing guitar, right? Dude. You can't play anything? Same. Uh, doesn't have 19 fingers. <laughs> I'm serious. A lot, a lot of people don't know this. I've been playing guitar since I was like 11 years old. I've been playing guitar way longer than I've been singing, so... Dude, that's actually something we have learned so much, like... Most of the people who are like, oh, I didn't know X, Y, or Z could play an instrument. And then they're like, so I'm playing guitar or I'm playing bass on this and I'm going to like branch out and kind of do both on this this record live. Like, you know, talking to Clint Lowry, like 
everyone knows Clint's got fucking riffs and he can sing. Yeah. But it's so weird that like when I talk to him about his solo record, he's like, yeah, I figure people probably don't know I'm going to sing and do, you know, play live. They just think I'm going to be a front man or whatever. I was like, I would assume you're going to play both. And he's like, yeah, but like people don't assume that. And I was like, why? Because like you can. I think some do. Maybe some that really know. I would really assume that. Yeah, Yeah, for Clint, for sure. Yeah. I have one last question. We'll let you go. Sure. Damn it, John. This is going to be a fun question. And this is both of you. I already told him thank you for doing the interview. Come on. Yeah. And I'll edit it to not be where it needs to be. All Um, right. What would a King Mothership drink be? Would it be a beer? It could be a beer, a liquor, a, a cocktail. What would a King King Mothership be if you could make it a drink? Anything but a seltzer. I'll it, tell you that. Much. It would be a seltzer. Anything but a seltzer. <laughs> I mean, probably an IPA. I think it'd be like a yeah, it'd be like, like, a, an IPA or like a or like a sour or something. Or sour, yeah, yeah like something a, like ooh, with some a whiskey. sour would be really interesting. I think a sour would work for you guys. Ego one hundred one. Ego one hundred one sour, baby. Oh, the Cos- Cos- Cosmic Meltdown is a great beer name. That is, that's true. Ooh, that would be a good sour name. Uh, hold on. Where where are you technic- quote-unquote technically based out of? We're in Vegas. Yeah, we're in Vegas. And Matt's on, in... In Baltimore. In Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know any breweries in Vegas. I don't think yeah. there are any. Yeah, there, there, are, there are some good ones. And there, I have yeah. some pretty good ins there. We could, we could maybe make this happen. That'd be... Yeah. You have to make a beer for this this record. You have to. Yeah. Like you have nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah. Make a beer for this record. Okay. Me. So so the the coffee table opens up with the record on the turntable with a beer. Yeah, man. It's gonna have on a the free- side of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. I'm taking off. It's good to talk. Absolutely. Same. Thank you very much, and uh, looking forward to everyone hearing the record finally. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us tonight. Thank you guys, Thanks, so guys. much. Yep. Have a good night, guys. You, you too. too. So that was our conversation with Spencer and Ty of King Mothership. Um, again, Dan was a part of that. It was a lot of fun having all four of us involved in that. Uh, Dan, I was there, yeah, with a different microphone, a different camera, yeah, <laughs> uh, lots of beers, and uh, good conversation. Um, I will say, you know, it was less nerve-wracking talking to Spencer for this than it was talking to Spencer in the midst of a periphery tour talking about P4. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that was pretty rough for you. I remember you were, like, freaking out because you're like, I'm going to screw something up or I'm going to get some factoid wrong and then the internet at large is going to murder me. Well, I think that's the thing that, like, people just don't quite understand about sometimes doing these podcasts is, like, the responsibility... Uh, that we have as the people interviewing uh, some of these people that are, you know, larger than life for, for some of their fans. Um, I mean, like we kind of hit on this and, and, you know, as of the time of when we're putting this out, which will be uh, in about an hour roughly or so from now, uh, cause I'm going to drop right. this literally as soon as I'm done recording this and editing it. But, um, you know, when talking with Michael from dark tranquility, that's a band that's been around for 30 years. Yeah. What they mean to their fans is almost on par with what periphery means to the metal and gent scene as a whole. And so getting to talk to Spencer about something that's not periphery and doesn't have the lineage of what periphery means to their fans was kind of nice. It's kind of a burden taken off of you because there's not a whole lot, as of when we did this conversation, there's not a whole lot known about King Mothership. There's not a whole lot, you know, the expectations of, of everything. It's not coming from bulb demos, you know, that people have been hearing for 
you know, 10 years or whatever. So the expectations are pretty low. So the stress is off you and I as far as having to touch on all these things that people are expecting us to talk about when you're talking to someone of the magnitude of of Spencer Ty um, with what they're doing. And to me, that's that's a such a weight off of us like to where we can have more fun with this like i had fun talking to spencer previously but i had more fun doing this because there wasn't the expectation of well there's the excited fandom that knows so much about this project that i have to try to hopefully touch on throughout the time that we have in addition to asking questions that no one has ever heard over the band's career and we don't have any of that and so to me like I said, the expectation and the burden is just lifted. So all that matters at that point is just having a fun, interesting conversation with the guys. And I think we achieve that in spades, personally. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And if not, you know, you can always leave us a comment like, was a total mess? Or, <laughs> you know, or or whatever, whatever it is you want to do. Or, you know, tell us something random about Kill Switch, because that seems to be uh, usually usually people's, people's go-to with our stuff. So yeah, it's uh it's definitely a thing where I'm I'm glad we had uninterrupted time with Spencer and Ty. I would actually now that the record's out and and now that people have heard it as of now for about about two weeks almost as of when we're gonna drop this. I would almost like to have them back on and kind of maybe do a track by track commentary or something because I think that'd be fun, especially given the fact that there is a theme and a narrative running throughout the whole record that we kind of slightly touched on but really didn't get into a whole lot because like I said when we recorded this we were about a month and a half away from this even coming out and there was only one single for everyone to hear so we didn't want to get too involved in the minutia of the record yeah well I'll go buy the beer now might as well get ready I would actually like a King Mothership beer. The way that they kind of described the beer that they were thinking of, if it were be to be a beer, would be really good. So I would definitely like uh, one of the King Mothership beers they talked about. Um, kind of wrapping this up, because this episode was a little over an hour long. Um, if you would like to keep up with the King Mothership dudes, it's very simple. You can go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, King Mothership. If you would like to order the record or do anything with the record, 3.recordings.com, that is where you can find everything. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Spencer, you can find him at Spencer Sotelo on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. And Ty, you can find on Instagram at Ty Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T, and Twitter. And if you listen to the interview, this is funny, you can find him at Ty Talks Shit. Ty, T-A-I, Talks, T-A-L-K-S, Shit. Um... As you kind of heard in the interview there, uh, people go on to his thing and like to basically comment like it's not Ty's thing. Uh, so Ty equals me. <laughs> if you would like to order the record, 3.recordings.com. And I'm sure any of those links that we've sent you to or are recommending right now, you will find them. Um, this is a great record, and I'm hoping to see more done with it uh, on all spectrums, uh, in all mediums that they can. Um, but just in the, the audio version, it's a fucking great record, and I'm looking forward to hearing more as you heard there's at least three songs that they're working on currently so hopefully uh we'll get some marking mothership uh sooner than later and uh speaking of sooner than later dan will tell you where he can be found on the internet uh i can be found on twitter it's discuss metal dan you can find me on facebook floating around as daniel terry it was a hard name for me to come up with but i came up with it uh in, in a very genius fashion i think i just used my name it's very trend setting it's very new 
Uh, you can find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at discussmetal.com. And uh, my OnlyFans is currently being built. So if you want to see me piss into a bucket, give me money, and I will do that. <laughs> and if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can simply find us at brewspeakpod.com. That will have any way you need to connect with the podcast possible. But for some reason, if you haven't looked in the show notes, you haven't gone to brewspeakpod.com, make it simple enough. Brewspeakpod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. There's a theme. Check it out. Um, also want to shout out Pod Bunny Graphics for making all of our graphics for our, our social media things. Uh, Samantha has been doing a great job creating awesome branded content for us, so want to shout her out. Uh, and speaking of shouting out the people who support us, sponsors. Uh, go to onpointpalmade.com to keep your beard and hair looking on points. Uh, I am currently in the process of getting Maddie to do something with us in the next uh, couple of weeks as of when we're recording. Uh, maybe one of our Facebook YouTube live series that we do on Wednesdays typically. Um, dude's super nice. Uh, he's creating so much stuff, working on the new Memphis Mayfire record, so looking forward to chatting with him, having Dan involved if possible. But on point pomade, use our code BSP15, keep your hair and beard looking on point holiday season's right around the corner so you definitely want to make sure your shit's looking good for those photos that you're inevitably going to take uh beanbestercoffee.com get some delicious coffee uh they have a brick and mortar we actually just shared today as we're recording uh their uh news feature in the buffalo rising newspaper um it's great to see maruso and everyone over at the bean bastard doing so well going from just a very small diy coffee making business to now a brick and mortar you can literally go into their store if you live in the buffalo new york area and to me that is fucking awesome because i mean honestly it's what we do here we started it thing it's growing to what it is and it's by the support of the people who are loyal and dedicated to what we do and and helping us grow and that is exactly what's happening with the bean bastard so congrats to those dudes can't wait to get down to buffalo and uh go try some delicious coffee straight from the source uh so support a local independent company especially during these tough times and lastly but not leastly rockabilia.com they have over five hundred thousand items in their online store just about any other band that you can think of that we have had on the show they're fucking have merch from them. Lamb of God candles, testament gloves, house kill switch stuff, kill switch stuff, house the show, uh, t-shirts and posters and so forth. Just so much, a plethora of things, and uh, definitely a, a site that if you like this show, there's there's got to be something you like. So head on over there, use our code Brew15, save fifteen percent off your total purchase order. Want to support our sponsors for supporting us during all these times and supporting you and making sure that you guys are taken care of as well. And for the brutally speaking podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you on Wednesday with Joe from Lightworker. Joe and Grayson from Lightworker. All right, so we're doing a double dip on the Lightworker, guys. Absolutely. It's no light work. It is not. And we'll see you then.